to stick with the process. You guys say the word process? Process. One more time. You say process? Isn't a process an exciting word? Yeah, just like, not really, huh? You know, you know another thing I've decided is, is that it doesn't matter what I teach on, I could use the title series, I Have Decided. I have decided to teach on love. I have decided to teach. Yeah. I just, I realized that this week. You can just use it indefinitely. But, but what I want to talk about this morning is process. Um, last week, I did something I'd never done before. It was an experiment. It turned out really well. You never know, you know how experiments are going to turn out. That's why they're called an experiment. But yesterday, the, or last week, the thesis of my sermon, the, the concept of what I was talking about was I've decided to trust Jesus. And, and I, I, I talked about different passages in Scripture, different people in Scripture, that the bottom line was always, did they trust the Lord? Did they trust the Lord or did they not trust the Lord? And everything was always coming back to, do they trust the Lord? And, and, and so what I had, you, those of you that are here, you remember, I had different ones of you uh, shout out a different Bible characters or different Bible accounts, and just randomly, and my job was to connect them to see if they trusted the Lord or not, to see if it, my experiment would work. And it actually worked. It did. Every time we were able to connect whether they were trusting the Lord or not. And so this morning, uh, I'm not going um, to have you call out different accounts in Scripture, but what I am going to do is, as I came last week with the thesis and understanding a concept that it all boils down to trusting God, I'm, I'm continuing in this theme, I'm continuing in this pattern and this week, I'm going to be talking about the process of which that is carried out in. Uh, last week was, a, was building for this week of the process uh, that, we are, that, that we're, walking, we're walking out in. And, and so, I'm, I'm, I've just, this is something I've been thinking about this week. I've been processing it in my own life. And so, I just, I just, I just think it's, really, it's going to be really helpful for you to see this. Um, there's a passage in Psalms. And David, David in the psalm, he goes, he goes, once, I once was young, but now I'm old. He goes, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their seed begging bread. But I, this morning, I, I feel kind of like David where I could say, you know, I once was young, but now I'm old. And some of you are like, you're not old. <laughs> and I, you know, old's relative, right? <laughs> but I really think that this is really going to help people here this morning that are even younger than I am. Uh, those of you that are younger, like, take good notes. Hang on to this, because I wish somebody would have taught this to me 20 or 30 years ago. That somebody, have you ever been on a trail with somebody, hiking with somebody, and they've been on the trail before, and they say, hey, that's a slippery spot. Uh, watch out for that one, because if you, if, you, if, you, if you slide off right there, you're toast. And so stay close to the edge when you're going around this corner. And so that's kind of what this morning is, is, um, is me letting some of you know, guys, this is, this is how God works. This is a process that he works in. And so here's some areas to just watch, watch out for. Um, have you guys, have you guys ever, have you ever thought about or understood that God works in a process in our life? And the reason I tell you this is because if you don't understand that God is working in a process in our life to conform us the image of his son, uh, to get us from glory to glory. If we, if we lose track that he's working on us in a process, then we can get to where we either want to give in or give up. And isn't that what the devil's always trying to get us to do, right? Like he's always trying to give us, get us to give in or to give up. 
oh, it's just me. I'm the only one. But he always wants us to give in or to give up. And so how do we, how do we navigate life? How do we, how do we finish well? How do we do what God has called us to do and do that well? Well, this morning, I'm going to write out a, a process. So we're going old school today. Um, I'm, I'm writing these out. Write them in your um, take notes. You have an empty blank um, note sheet in your bulletin. You'll need those for your fusion group. Um, speaking of fusion groups, let me just give a shameless plug for our fusion groups, okay? To give a shameless plug right now. Uh, I, this week I asked in the office, I said, what are our numbers on week one on our small groups? Where are we at in our numbers? And I'm telling you, I was blown away. I was so excited um, when I found out what our numbers were. So this week, week one of our fusion groups, if we took our average Sunday morning adult attendance, 72% of us were in a small group this week. How fantastic is that? Yeah, those are clapping are in a small group. You can look at, yeah. <laughs> Busted. No, but look, seven to ten around you are in a small group. And this was this number blew me away. Is is uh, we looked and see how many are enrolled, enrolled in a small group because you know not everybody can make it every week. There there are absences. Um, one hundred and one percent of our average Sunday morning adult attenders are enrolled in a fusion group. How amazing is that? Like serious, like. I'm telling you, they write books about this kind of stuff. Like, this is awesome. And how do you get 101%? Well, okay, some of us have a confession to make. We're in more than one group. Okay, so I'm, I'm in two. So that, that's one of the reasons. But it's just, isn't that really cool? So if you're not in a fusion group, that's what we call our small groups. It's not too late. Uh, this is week two. Like, it's still easy to on-ramp. In fact, we are having our growth track after this service at 1215 service will end by 12. At 12.15, we'll gather in the youth room, which is across the hall. We have a great lunch. I've already spotted it out. You scoped out the lunch. It looks great. Uh, So if you haven't done our growth track this week, week two, this is going to help you get relationally connected to the church and get in a small group. It'll it'll take an hour. We'll feed you lunch. We have have child care for your kids, our grandkids. It'll, It'll be a great experience. If you missed week two, we went through it in January, then, then, then jump in. If you haven't done week one yet, it's okay. Just jump in on week two. That'll be at 12.15. So that's my shameless plug for small groups. So, so here we go. So this is the process. Okay, remember we're talking about a process. The process that we all walk through in our life is we are, as God is working in us and working on us. And so the first part of this process is the word declaration. And if you can't spell, you just write really fast and really sloppy. I've, I've learned that. So, so declaration. That at, at some point in our life, uh, and this happens multiple times in different, in different areas of our life, there'll be a, a, a declaration made about you. A declaration um, of what God is doing is being made. We'll see this. In, so we're going to look at several uh, Bible verses this morning. We'll look at some stories in the Bible. You'll see this. Let me just list some of these out. Uh, so there'll be a declaration. Uh, the second one is the word distress. Can you say the word distress? I know, isn't that an exciting word? Distress. Can we say it one more time? Distress. So this is what happens. Is that a declaration is made, something is declared about you, maybe it's a revelation you have from the Lord, maybe it's a dream that God gives you, a desire in your heart. There'll be this declaration, and you have a sense of what it is that God's wanting to do. Maybe it's a landmark, a moment in your life. And when this happens, There's a big, like, just heads up, because what's coming next 
is distressed. I know, I just bummed like half of you out this morning, didn't I? Just bummed half of you out. Well, well, this is, let, let, me, let me illustrate it for you. Actually, let, let, me, write, let me write two other words up. Uh, the next word is development. Can you write that out? Can you guys, is that big enough? Can you guys see that? All right, great. And then, last, I'll go ahead and, you guys have an advantage over first service. I didn't give them all the answers up front. You guys have an advantage here. You guys can go ahead and write these out, okay? Declaration, distress, development, demonstration. All right. So what's the first word? What's, the, what's next? What's third? What's fourth? Okay. Let me, let me illustrate this. So my daughter, Maddie, she's, she's right here on the front row. She's going back to California in two weeks. Maddie, just kind of do the, the, the Vanna wave. Yeah, there you go. Um, just so proud of Maddie, love her. She, so a few years ago, she's, she's married, she's moved off now, but a few years ago, she, uh, she was accepted into her college of choice uh, with a scholarship, and she had, been, she had been dreaming about this school, she had been planning towards it since she was nine years old, like she really, really wanted in this school, and it was an exciting day when she got her acceptance letter, we were all excited, we went out and celebrated, it was a great day in our family. We celebrated this declaration of where Maddie was going to go to school. You know the problem with that is, though? As a dad, it meant that my little girl was going to have to move away. And that caused old Pops distress. It did. And I remember the, I remember the night that we moved her into the dorms. I mean, I bawled like a baby. I mean, she was all the way in Branson, Missouri. You know what I'm saying? She had moved out. But I knew, I knew it wasn't very far, but I knew it was really, really far because she was gone. And it caused a lot, a lot of distress in my life. But that had to lead to development, even her in college. And then, and I remember the demonstration, uh, just in this example, I remember when she was, uh, remember when I, when I did her, her wedding uh, this summer. And those of you that were there, those were not, those were not tears that r- I really had sunscreen in my eye. I'm just, just that's all I'm saying. I really had sunscreen in my eye. Those weren't tears. I did, I did shed a little tear that night, but it wasn't like the earlier one because I was so, I'd worked through that. I had, I had worked through this process, and we'll see this in the Bible. Where different people in the Bible, there's a declaration made about them. They face distress. Then there's the development phase of what happens, and there's the demonstration. Just talking about college. So my second son, or second child, my oldest son, Jacob, now is, he's a, he's a senior in high school. And so he's trying to figure out where he's going to go to school, what he's going to do. And as he looks at this, uh, there'll be a moment where he will, there'll be a declaration of, of where he's going to go to school, of where he's going to choose to go, what he's going to pursue. And as he does that, then he's going to, I mean, this is going to be fun, right? He's going he's to go to college, whether he lives at home or moves away yet, we don't know. But but he'll, he'll, I mean, it's going to be good. It's going to be awesome. And then he's going to start having finals. Can I get an amen? Right? He's going to start having finals. And then he is going to be in some distress. Because that's, what's the key word here, right? Stress. And so he's going to have some distress. But, be, but he's going to persevere. He's going to push through. And then there's going to be a development in his life that is going to work. He's going to get an education. He's going to be trained. And there will be a demonstration of that. 
upon graduation that he will, he will accomplish that. I mean, you see this in so many areas of our life. Marriage, for example, right? So marriage, there is a declaration. I mean, I, I now pronounce you husband and wife. Those of you who've been married know it doesn't take long to get to distress, right? And then you move to distress. You know, I mean, distress, that's a phase that could be really short or really long. I mean, distress, you could get a phone call tomorrow and you, and you lost your job. You're out of a job. I and mean, that's just an acute right there. You're immediately in distress and, and then you, you have to work through this. Or it could be something in a marriage where it's a long season of distress, where there's conflict, where there's difficulty where there's angst, and, and that season that, that of, of distress. And, and, and this is what happens. I'm just going to, I'm just going to, I'm going to put, because a lot of us want to bail at distress, okay? A lot of us, we, we, we want to go, let me move this over here. How many know we want to go from declaration to demonstration? Can I get an Amen. I mean, that's where we, we don't want to go through the whole process. We want to jump from declaration to demonstration. But you see, there's an issue when we hit distress. And, and, and this is the issue, is that, is, is that in, in our life, we have, we're going to face pain. Right? You know, I can promise you that. In fact, that's a promise in the Bible, that in this world, you'll face difficulty, trials, and pain. Got quiet in here. How many people like pain? Like none of us, right? Like this not even, we don't like pain. Like pain hurts. We don't want pain, do we? But how many of us like growth in our life? How many of us want to grow? If I said, do you want to grow as a person? You'd say, yeah, I want to grow. I want to grow stronger you know, physically. I want to grow spiritually. I want to, maybe it's in your vocation. You want to have personal growth. You want to, I mean, as a church, we want to grow. I mean, we, we want to be people of growth, don't we? Like who wants to stay the same forever? No, we don't want that. We'd be, but but here's, the, here's the issue, is that growth equals change. You want to write this down, and I know those that are behind me can't see this, so I will reposition it. So, so growth equals change. When something's growing, you have to change it, right? Like your kids are growing, you have to change sometimes your house or your your, the, the, how your house is, is, is even set up. Um, so I'll, I'll just come up with a random, a random illustration. So, so have you guys, you guys know the, that field over here? This, you know which field I'm talking This is like 40 acres over here. Do you guys know who owns that? Johnny Morris owns that. Do you guys know that? And if I'm honest with you, I have to say that I've prayed over that piece of property more than once. Yeah. I mean, imagine... Imagine if he called tomorrow and said that he wanted to give that to us. Have it. I mean, how many would say an amen to that, right? Wouldn't that be awesome? I'd even name it Bass Pro for Jesus. I mean, it doesn't, it'd be great. I mean, it'd be fine. But if that were to happen, we would have to have some change, wouldn't we? Right? We'd have to build another building. We would have to do, we'd have to do something different. And, and if growth equals change, change equals loss. So whatever you ch- whenever you change anything, you experience loss. And I mean, at first you're like, oh, that'd be awesome. But you would lose some stuff. I mean, you would lose the seat that you're sitting in. 
because those seats wouldn't work over there. You, you're, you, that seat that you're sitting in right now that you sit in every week, it would, you would have to find a new seat. And you wouldn't know what to do when you walked in the door. Where do I sit? I don't Oh, you might start crying because you wouldn't know where to sit. I, I know I'm exaggerating, but, but, but we do that in our life, don't we? I mean, even like, even like the illustration with Maddie, like, like when she, there had to be change, and change, change equals loss. And, and you know what loss equals? Loss equals pain. Yeah. It's an X for pain. Yeah, that's what that is. Loss equals pain. I mean, because we don't like pain, do we? Do you know that you and I will never grow beyond our threshold for pain? The pain is often the limiting factor because what happens when we experience pain in here is we bail. We give in or we give up. And we don't follow through. Because if you follow this all the way through, Growth equals pain. I remember when we went to two services here. Anybody remember two services? Who was here when we went to two services? Raise your hand. Wow, not, not very many. Raise your hand if you weren't here when we went to two services. It's real high. Just know if everybody can see it. You guys see that? That's why we went to two services. Because they wouldn't be here. We couldn't have fit them. Now, when we were growing, we changed our services. Can I let you know as the leader, as the, the primary leader of the church, that when we had that change, we experienced some loss. Like one of the losses was uh, relationships, right? Because you didn't see the same people every week. And those are people you love. And so that created pain. We don't like this, Pastor. We want to be one big happy family. I know, me too. It was, I tell you, I suffered more pain than anybody. I trust you. I mean, trust me on it. I did. I mean, it was painful. So change equals loss. Loss equals pain. But growth equals pain. But we, 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 we carried through, didn't we? We've seen God do great things. Your fusion group. So I, I keep track of things. I know there's some fusion groups that are really big right now that have grown. And because you're growing, you're going to have to change some of the things you're doing with your fusion group. Right? When you change, there's going to be loss. We don't want to be two groups. We don't want to multiply because that will be pain because I love you so much. But if you wouldn't have changed what you're doing to that point, those people wouldn't be in your group. But then growth equals pain. But is it, can I just ask you this? Is it worth it? I haven't convinced you yet. That's okay. I have about 15 minutes left to try to convince you. The pain of watching Maddie leave and grow into a, a woman who is now self-sufficient, who's married, who's off on her own. Can I tell you, that was a painful process to go through. But you know what? It's not as painful as her being 50 and still living in my house. Can I get an amen on that? Oh, you know what I'm talking about now. Now I'm speaking your language. Okay. So that, that's what I'm saying. Growth equals pain, but it's worth it. It's worth it. So let's go back to this process, okay? This process. What's the first step? What's the second step? Third step? Fourth step? Okay. So let's talk about this for a moment. Turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 12. So Genesis chapter 12, just a, a hinge on, of, of Scripture. I mean, this is such an important 
a passage in Scripture. This is a promise that God made to Abram. This is a declaration. Now the Lord said to Abram, Get out of your country and from your family and from your father's house to the land I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you and I will curse him who curses you. And in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. Can I get an amen? Does that sound like a declaration? Was the demonstration there yet? No. And I love the next verse. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him. And he immediately went into distress. He had to go through Egypt. They had the whole issue with him saying Sarah was his sister. Well, she was a half-sister, part-sister. Is that, a, is that a, a kin, a part-sister? We're in the Ozarks. I think it is, isn't it? So it's a part-sister. That wasn't very nice of me, was it? No, no. It's, but, and, and so, but he moved from declaration to distress, right? I mean, there was a lot of distress in his life, right? I mean, they were promised this great demonstration of being a father and a mother, that their children would be, even be able to be counted, but they hadn't had any kids. They were older. They were barren. They were in distress. But through this, and they were they perfect? No. Like we have Ishmael, we have all these stuff that happened along the way, but in this development, even Isaac coming along. Because, I mean, sure, the, I think a demonstration of this was Isaac being born and the promise being fulfilled. But really, the big demonstration wasn't, wasn't just Isaac. It's you and I who are now spiritual children of Israel. The church, the new man, the Jews and those uh, Gentiles that put their faith in Christ becoming one together. That was the ultimate demonstration of what God was doing in Abraham's life. But he didn't get from here to here overnight, right? Right? You see, it took a while. And so in our life, we'll, we'll, the Lord will give us a promise. We'll believe something. Or, or maybe you get, a, maybe you get a, a job, a new job, a new promotion. You're all excited. And then the reality of the job, the, the, maybe the job changes. Something happens in the middle of that, and it becomes distress. And then you have to move into developing into that new thing that God's called you to do. And then you see his grace then demonstrate. Because ultimately, this demonstration, my friend, is about bringing glory to God. It's not about us avoiding pain. It's not about us avoiding difficulty. But isn't that the American way, right? Like, we want to avoid pain. Oh, I have that. I covered it up. We, we want to cut. We don't, we don't want pain. Our whole world is set about trying to avoid pain and not have any pain as possible. But you have to, there's a pain that's in the process of going from here to here. And we're all somewhere in this in this process so another biblical example is joseph you guys maybe you've heard the story of joseph it's in uh, genesis chapter 37 um turn there with me just we're we're not going to read every story in the bible i promise but we're going to hit a couple of them uh, this morning so genesis 37 now we're talking about abraham isaac and jacob this is three generations from abraham we're seeing the promise that was declared to Abraham. This demonstration is now reality. Um, and we're talking about a great-great-grandson here. And it said, uh, when now Israel, which, which he's speaking of Jacob, his name had been changed. Now, and I'm telling you, so write this process down. When you're doing your Bible reading, like look at every, you will see this in everybody's life. Oh, it's so, it's so awesome. Um, 
I said, in verse 3, now Israel, or Jacob, loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age and it made him a tunic or a coat of many colors. He made him this nice, this nice jacket, this nice Armani suit. And he looked good. And he was his favorite. And he told everybody that he was his... I mean, everybody knew. And he became this spoiled brat. This dysfunctional, self-centered brat. And, 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 and it was declared of who he was. But God was going to use him. How many of you guys are thankful God uses brats, right? God uses imperfect people, right? Because we list enough adjectives and we are one of those, aren't we? And so we're thankful for that. But, so, so he, he had a prophetic dream. And in this prophetic dream, um, and, and you, can, you can read it on, at home, I don't, I don't have time to, to, to read the whole story. It's, Joseph has a very long story. But in this dream, there, he saw uh, prophetically through uh, sheaves of grain and then through the sun, the moon, and the stars that his family would bow down to him. And so he tells them this story. His dad, like, are you nuts for telling the story? I like you. Are you nuts? And he was. He was nuts. But but he, there was this declaration about what God was going to do in Joseph's life. Well, the next part of the story is the brothers don't like it, right? So he went to go take them food. There's an empty well. They 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 take him. They take his jacket. They rip it apart. They put blood on it. They fake this crime scene, and they throw him in this well. Uh, they sell him as a slave, and he goes to Egypt. They go back and tell dad that, that, that his favorite son has been, has been killed by a wild animal, right? But I'm telling you, something happened in the bottom of that well. Right here, Joseph was in distress. He was in, would you agree? Like, he was in distress. This was bad. And so he's in this well, and something happens. Something changes him, because when he gets sold, to Potiphar. He, Potiphar is an officer for Pharaoh. So he works for Potiphar in his home. He's head of his house. Probably about 11 years is what I can tell by reading. Probably about 11 years he worked for him. And somehow he went from an immature, self-centered, 17-year-old kid to this man who's now in charge of this household, who's just doing really, really great. He's moved to maturity. Now, immaturity got him thrown into the well. Maturity is going to almost get him killed. Because Potiphar's wife approaches him, propositions him, tries to seduce him. He's like, uh-uh, you're not mine. You belong to somebody else. And he tries to run off. She grabs his piece of his clothing and, and, and gives a false rape claim that he had tried to do this to her. And, and, and Potiphar has him thrown into prison. And so what we see in Joseph's life is this, de- this great declaration of what God was going to do, this season of distress in his life, and then a season of development. Because that's what God was doing in Joseph. He was doing that in the house of Potiphar. He was doing it in prison. He was developing him. And that wasn't like if Joseph was writing a career path, that was not the best career path. But God knew what he really needed was character. And that's what God was working on in his life. And so you, I I know some of you already spotted where you are in this process right now. What God's doing in your life. And it could be different. It could be different maybe in a personal, maybe like in your home than it is in vocation or different than it is in ministry. And so we have maybe our overarching where we are in our whole phase of life. I I, I definitely believe these four phases of big blocks are true for our lives, but they're also true for different seasons and different aspects of our life. So it's like these different components, these wheels turning at different sizes and speeds and places in our life. And so we see this 
in Joseph's life. And then finally, the cupbearer is up before uh, Pharaoh, and Pharaoh has a dream. And the cupbearer, who had forgotten about Joseph, now remembers Joseph and says, oh yeah, oh yeah, I know this guy who interprets dreams. He tells him about, the, about, this, about this dream. He tells him about Joseph. Joseph comes up, interprets the dream, says there's going to be a seven years of abundance and seven years of famine. Now's the time to get ready for the time of famine. Pharaoh goes, oh, I need somebody to help me do this. You're it. I want you to help me do this. And so then he gets, he gets taken from the bottom of the well. He gets taken from distress, but it was a 13-year process to then a demonstration. He's the second in command. He's the vice president. He's the prime minister. He's the head of state for Egypt. And, and then, then we know his brothers come. They do bow down for, to him. He does give them food. And this is what he said. He said, what you intended for evil, God has turned and God has made it for good. God has made it for good. And some of you this morning, you find, you're in a, you find yourself in a place of distress. Some of you find your place, you're in a phase of development. You feel like prison, right? Because that's where, that's where Joseph was. was. He didn't see it as a phase of development. He saw it as a prison. And he wanted out. But God was working on him in that process. Because what God, God needed, needed him to be a humble man. For God to use him, he needed to be humble. He needed to know where his wisdom came from, where his resource came from, where his favor came from. He needed to know the Lord. And he came to know the Lord in this season. Think of David. 1 Samuel 16, David is anointed. He's declared the king of Israel. Does it happen right away? No, it's a lot of years. Doesn't Saul tries to kill him, right? He has these victories in battle. Then Saul tries to kill him. I mean, imagine that distress. Right? And he's running. He's hiding in caves. He's running for his life. And when he's running for his life, it's, 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 it's motivated by distress, but there's a development that's going on that's preparing his heart to have a heart after the Lord, a heart to serve the people of God, to serve the people. And then finally, the demonstration comes, and he's a great king. But it didn't happen overnight, did it? Think of Paul. Think of Paul in the New Testament. Paul, Acts, Acts 9. You write that down. You can have that for your fusion group. Acts 9. In Acts 9, uh, we have the story of the road to Damascus where, where uh, Saul was his name at the time. Saul was headed there. And, and the, Jesus Christ himself revealed himself to Saul. And, and he responded to this. And In fact, his name was changed to Paul. And, and if, if you look at... Uh, let me, t- let, me s- let me turn to Acts 9. So in Acts 9, uh, the Lord also spoke to Ananias to get ready for him. This is what de- was declared about Saul. Verse 15, it says, Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and children of Israel. Does that sound like a declaration of, of, of Saul, of Paul? Does that sound right? Like, I mean, he even changed his name. But then he had a moment of distress. He had to actually go to Arabia for several years of trying to, to even prepare for what the Lord was going to do. And then in verse 26, 926, it says, And when Saul had come to Jerusalem, and he tried to join the, the disciples, but they were all afraid of him and did not believe that he was a disciple. They were still scared of him. That was a moment of distress. Here he is, the apostle to the Gentiles, and they won't even let him do Bible studies with him. They won't even hang out with him. They're scared of him. And so Barnabas brings him in under his under his wing, he mentors him, he develops him. 
He develops him. And we see this season in Paul's life. In Acts 13, they're sent out on their, on their missionary trip. We see this development in Paul's life. See, we just think of Paul as this great apostle. We just think of Paul as the writer of, of a, a lot of our New Testament. We see the demonstration, but we forget about the season of distress and the season of development that happened in his life. In fact, in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 11, verse 22, um, you just write that, that location down. We see him describe this development process. And if you were to, if this was what his offer would have been, right, not many people maybe would have signed up for it. But there's a hint to this. And just, I'm just, I got, I got my finger in two places here in my Bible. In Acts 9, 16, um, the Lord tells Ananias, who was helping Saul, he gave him a heads up. He's just like, hey, I'm going to show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. Because there was suffering that he had, to, he had to face. And we don't like suffering, do we? We don't have a good theology for suffering. But we see some of what uh, Paul suffered here in, in chapter 11, verse 22. These are his credentials. His credentials for apostleship were actually aspects of distress and development. Because he says this here. He goes, he says, he goes are they ministers of Christ? Because they were falsely accusing him of not being. He goes, are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. And labor's more abundant. He goes, I worked harder than any of them. In stripes above measure. Nobody's been beaten more than I have, he said. In prison more frequently. In situations of death more often. See, the reason Paul could continue to grow is that he didn't let pain stop him. That threshold of pain kept rising in his life. And then he goes on to describe it. He says, verse, verse 24, he goes, from the Jews five times I received 40 stripes minus one. That's almost 200 beatings of, of a whip. Oh my gosh. Just, oh, it just, doesn't that just get you? Uh, verse 25, three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was, and he's not talking about drugs. You know that, right? Just, just in case you do, he's talking about rocks being pummeled at him. Once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I've been in the deep. I mean, I mean he was lost at sea. And journeys often in perils or troubles. He goes, I've been in trouble in waters. I've been in trouble with robbers. I've been in trouble with my own countrymen, with my, with my brethren. I've been in trouble with foreigners. I've been in trouble in cities. I've been in trouble in the wilderness. I've been in troubles at sea. I've been in troubles with false brethren and weariness and toil and sleeplessness often and hunger and thirst and fastings of, of, of tin and cold and nakedness. Besides the other things, what comes upon me daily is my deep concern for all the church. That was his development. And we, we tend to think of it, and then, then he had the, the thorn of the flesh, which we don't even know what it was, but he asked the Lord to take that away, and the Lord goes, you know what? It's part of your development. But I'm going to give you grace. I'm going to give you grace, and you're going to make it. Because unless you go through this, he's telling Paul, there won't be the demonstration of my great power in your life. And the Gentile world was broken into. And really, I think one of the greatest demonstrations of the ministry of Paul are the words that we have right here that we can look at, that instruct us, inspired of the Holy Spirit. He was stuck in prison at times. He was stuck in places that none of us would want to be, yet we would all want to say we would want God to use us like that. Do you see the, the, the disconnect? And so the reason I'm telling us this is, is, is when we face distress, when we face this season of development, don't give in and don't give up, okay? Can I, let, me, let me try that again. I'm going to rewind. When we face periods of distress, 
and of development. Let's don't give in and let's don't give up. Let me try it one more time. So when we are facing these periods of distress and we go through seasons of development, let us not give in or give up. Amen. Amen. Because we all want to see the demonstration of the glory and the power of God in our life. Amen. Amen. Beth, would you come to the piano? My final um, exhibit of proof this morning is Jesus himself. Who, when he was baptized, was baptized by John the Baptist, who, who he, Jesus said, this is the greatest man that's ever lived. So here we have Jesus' baptism by the greatest man who's ever, who has ever lived. We have Jesus himself there, the Son of God. We have God the Father who shows up and speaks, and the Holy Spirit who manifests it like a dove. So here we have the full Trinity and the greatest man that ever lived declaring who Jesus was. How many of you say that's a great declaration, right? Does it get any better than that? I don't think so. And so from there, where does he go? From there, doesn't he go into the wilderness? For 40 days, fasting, prayer, and then temptation. That season of distress. And he comes through that. He doesn't give in. He doesn't give up. And we see this pattern of development in his life. And you'd say, Jesus developed. Hang with me here. What we see Jesus do is he never did that except which he saw the Father do, and he never spoke that except that which he heard the Father, heard the Father say. And so we see this relationship of trust and relationship of dependency, which he modeled for us of the Holy Spirit ministering through him as a pattern for us of our own development. And we see the great demonstration of the glory of God when Jesus was crucified on the cross and then rose from the dead. I mean, that's the greatest demonstration ever, right? Of the goodness of God. And so we see that. And so the question for you this morning is, where are you at? And there may be different, I mean, right on your, right on your notes, fusion group leaders, I think a great thing to do this week would be to ask your, your, the people in your group, where have you been in your life? Tell a story about where you've been, on, and then where are you now? So where, where are you right now? Has God just done something great in your Have you just gotten married? Have you just graduated from high school or college have you, or about to? Have you, have you just, just taken a new job? Have you just had a new baby? I mean, what's this? Is there a season of this celebration? Are you in a season of distress? This can be short or this can be long. This can be a moment. This can be years. Are you in a season of development? Is God using this? Is he working towards something in your life? This is usually a long season right here, longer than we would really want. Or are you in a season of demonstration? And know these are cyclical. And know that when, when you have one in one area, you're going to be facing one in another. And you see, when you see this, it gives you hope, doesn't it? Because what you see, oh, others go through this? You mean I'm not alone? Yeah. Every great story in the Bible, every one of us, we could spend all day telling stories of where we're at in this or where we've been. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me this morning? If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior, I want to give you that opportunity. Maybe you came today and you said, if the pastor, the pastor gives an opportunity for somebody to, to commit their life to Christ, to put their faith and trust in Him, I'm responding today. Today's the day of salvation. Today's the day that I'm giving my life to the Lord. 
If that's you, I want to I lead you in a prayer. Right where you are, I won't call you out. I won't embarrass you, but I, I want to know who you are. I want to pray for you. Would you raise your hand? Would you look up at me? Would you make some kind of contact with your hand or with your eyes so I can know who you are, so I can pray for you? Is there anybody here say, that's me, Jay? That's me. I'm coming to the Lord today. I'm, I'm casting my care upon Him. I'm submitting myself to Jesus Christ today. Anybody here? All right, let me, let me pray for you. As, as I'm going to pray in just a moment, and I want you to, where are you at on this? Where are you at on this, on this process? The biggest one. What, what's just resonating in your heart? And I want you to offer that to the Lord right now. Just ask Him to, to help you, to strengthen you. Not just rescue you, but to walk through in victory into all that He has for His glory, for His name's Lord, I pray for my friends today. Lord, we're all in different places on our own, all on different journeys. But Lord, I know You're working. Lord, I pray, Lord, every single one of us, Lord, You'd help us to not give in. Lord, help us not to give up. Lord, we are deciding today, Lord, that we are sticking to Your process. Lord, pain that we feel, Lord, like Paul said, Lord, we understand, Lord, that your grace is sufficient, Lord. That through you, Jesus, we can endure seasons of suffering and difficulty. We thank you, Lord. You've never left us. You've never abandoned us. You've never forsaken us. And you never will. And Lord, it's with anticipation, Lord, that we look towards the demonstration of your power and of your glory for your kingdom will come in our lives, in Jesus' name. Can you say a big amen with me? Amen, amen, amen.